All right. Well, after the offering, we have a special guest speaker today, Jason, all the way from Delaware. Come on up. Jason Nolan will be preaching the word, everybody. It was, uh, it was a very, very kind announcement. Hey, you know, Rick, um, I'm, I'm talking to you, Rick, okay? You know, a prophet is not honored in his own town, and my daughter is down in New Zealand where Rick and Mel did their DTS, and Rick and Mel and their team, they're legends in New Zealand. I mean, they really are, because they did this evangelistic crusade across New Zealand that was so powerful, it rocked every city. So many people came to Christ that literally they sent the Billy Graham organization down to like study it and find out, what did you guys do? How did you do that? So people on the base, when JC says, hey, I'm from the same church as where Rick and Mel are, um, she's somewhat of a rock star because of that. So I want to thank you for that, and I just want to honor you. We want to honor you here because... Rick put the tour together. I've seen him as a spokesman. Mel did amazing things. So anyway, it's, it's a good day. It's uh, just a good day to, to do that. Actually, everybody should be well-rested. We all got an hour's extra sleep. I love fallback. I love fallback. I, I look forward to this day. So I'm, I'm just fired up. And that, that God shined on Michigan last night with a goal, a goal line stand. Isn't that great, Buckeye fans? Uh, okay, the energy just left the left the building. So anyway, um, I am Jason Noland, okay? I am the relief preacher here today. About every 10 weeks, John goes to the bullpen and calls for me to come in and throw a few fastballs here. You can't handle me every day, okay, or every Sunday, right? I've got to be in measures. So, um, but I'm going to parlay on your back, John, because we're in the middle of a series. And um, why don't we pop the first um, slide up, okay, that talks about the series we're in. And it's uh, making Jesus real to others. And last week, John talked about how if we live a contented life and people see that peace we have in our life, it just sends a message about a real God doing real things. But the week before, John talked about uh, we have a a testimony of God's reality where God entered into our lives. He did something that was genuinely real. And as we share that testimony, it's just very powerful to others. In fact, um, it, it just it does things. It's the most important thing that we can do in terms of sharing our faith. You know, you don't have to be a theologian. You just need to say, hey, I'm a witness of what God did. Let me tell you what he did in my life. So um, I was praying about uh, this week's message, and I think I have a word for families. So for all of you who are parents out there, have been parents, um, I, the word I was getting is that has to do with this testimony, that that God has broken into your family, okay? There's a testimony that is in your family, and it's in your bloodline, okay? It's the way that God moves through you. And here's the thing. God has always worked through families. He worked through Abraham, worked through Isaac, he worked through Jacob. The Jewish people exist because they tell the stories of how God has intervened in our lives. But sometimes as parents, we forget that God has intervened in real ways in your life, sometimes in your parents' life, in your grandparents' life, that there's this rich history of the testimony of the Lord Jesus Christ and the power and the reality of him breaking in to your family, and it's, it's part of the fabric of, of who you are. And as parents, one of the most important things you can do, because, you know, we all go to Sunday school here, and we hope, man, I hope our kids get it so when they're teens or when they're 19 or 20, they don't turn away. Well, guess what? They, they might turn away, but you're, in the meantime... In the meantime, you're going to impart this godly legacy that God is involved in their life, 
your family has been chosen, and your family has been chosen. You need to understand that. It says in Isaiah 43 that I have summoned you by name. Okay, so there's no accident here. But if they know that you're a special family that God has called, and, and these certain things flow through different families, you know, I think you realize that. I go over to the Cokers, and you might go to a Coker family party, and they play prophetic games where, where you know, we listen for God as a family. Or there's other families that get together and they worship. Or other families, you see um, just this, this theological understanding that's really deep, um, like the James family. It's just, it's there. It's part of your roots. It's part of your history, and it's part of your destiny. So before I forget, I wanted to give that word to you guys, is just, just take that and tell your story. Talk about the reality of God in your families and share it. And here's the other thing, too. For those of you who are not parents right now, your grandparents even better because you're the keeper of the generations and that you can talk about grandma and about grandpa and you can pass these things you can sow them into your family and even if your kids start partying a little too much when they're at the ohio state university okay it doesn't matter because you know what they know that they know that they know that they've been chosen by god and can i get an amen on that hallelujah we haven't even started preaching yet (laughs) okay um i said he works through families And uh, the way God works through the Nolan family is extremely unorthodox, okay? Um, And if you were to come to a Nolan family event uh, for Christmas or whatever, what you would see is something like this. You'd see a big old table, lots of food, beverages, and everybody around telling stories, laughing, and just having a a really good time. But the stories are the elements. So do you guys want to hear a good God story? No, Jason, we do not. We want to get on with it so we can have lunch. Well, you're going to hear a couple of them here today. So, um, so anyway, my daughter, as I mentioned, she's in, uh, now she's in Papua New Guinea, okay? And um, what was it? Two weeks ago, they went to the mall to get some stuff. They went into the, where the town is to the mall. Her ministry team is inside, okay, getting things. She walks out to um, just get some air. Why don't you pop the next slide up? because I actually have photo coverage of it. When she walks up, there's this little kid in the green shirt, okay? And he's got some sort of megaphone, and he's making all kinds of noise, and half English, half something else. And the people are pointing at him, and they're laughing, okay? And she's like, what is going on here? So she gets closer, and she realizes he's got a Bible in his hand, okay? So she's like, he's preaching the gospel. Well, something happens on the inside of her. She's like, he's preaching the gospel, and some of these people are laughing. So she goes up, and she grabs the megaphone out of his hand and says, what this little boy is saying is true, that Jesus is the Son of God. And she just begins preaching the gospel to this group of people here at the mall, okay? So they're all listening. Well, the little boy grabs it back, and then he starts speaking. And Jason said this went on for about 15 minutes, where we went back and forth, back and forth, until finally the, uh, the rest of the team from, you know, from their ministry team comes out, what the heck's going on? Hey, there's Jason. And they realize, okay, God's doing something here. So the team in, infiltrates in with the people, and at a certain point, one of the people comes up and gives her testimony. This is what Jesus did for me. She told her story, okay? And J.C. said, wow. And the people were just very touched by this. She goes, you know what? People need to come to Christ now. So she, she gave an altar call, and she said, you know, if you want to receive Jesus, the same Jesus we've been talking about, come right now. And there were four people that day that gave their life to Christ. Amen? Isn't that cool? 
So, so, so contact was made between God and these people, and it, you know, nobody planned on it. It just did. There were four people. Okay, so why am I telling you this? What is the message? Well, is the message that we're going to get three sound systems. You're going to go to Polaris. You're going to go to Tuttle. You're going to go to Easton, and we're going to do street preaching. I just wanted the silence there. It's like, oh, my goodness. How terrifying. No. No. There, there's a little bit of a principle here in terms of making Jesus real. Okay, and that principle is this, is that, that what we do is we try to see what God is doing in a particular environment. Maybe you walk into McDonald's, you're walking into work, you're at your home. But in this case, what JC did was she went there and she saw that, wow, God is doing this, and all of a sudden boldness came upon her, you know, and, and she just went with it. She agreed with what God was doing, and then all of a sudden something happened. See, that's, how God, that's one of the ways that God is made real, is that we come alongside what God's already doing. You know, and what did Jesus say? I mean, you guys all know this. If you've been at the vineyard, Jesus said this. He said, I do not do anything that I do not see my Father doing. The basis of ministry, okay, here at the vineyard, in Christianity needs to be, God, what are you doing it so I can come alongside and agree with it, as opposed to, Lord, I've got a great plan and strategy. Why don't you come over here and bless this? So that's what we do. So this is an extreme case. So let me just say, I'll, I'll just get this out so you won't feel any shame or guilt. If you do not street preach here in the next week, okay, I am not going to hold it against anybody. But I want you guys to go into some environments and, and, and just maybe ask, God, what are you doing here? Or if something startles you, just say, okay, God, what's going on so I can come alongside? Is that fair? Yeah. I don't, got, I don't have all the details in this story, but I'm thinking about this 10-year-old kid because J.C. said that afterwards, um, it's, oh, yeah, his name was Gideon, and uh, we took him to the prisons with us, and he helped do a little bit of translation and everything, and I was thinking, and, and you mothers, okay, imagine if your son was, was Gideon. Okay, so Gideon goes to the prison, does this, comes home, and it's like, Gideon, how was your day? Hey, I did a little street preaching, four people came to Christ, and then I went with the American missionaries into the prison. And then mom says, okay, well, wash up. You know, the Ohio Correctional is a little dirty. You got to wash up for dinner now. So I'm thinking, that is just kind of wild. You know, what a day for a 10-year-old, okay? We want to have some days like that. I wouldn't mind having a day like that. That would be a good story. And we know ones. We love stories. It's just what we do. So anyway, on a more practical sense, a lot of times you don't have to look far to make Jesus real. And let me, let me say something about making Jesus real is that you don't make him real, okay? The scripture says this. It says that one plants, another waters, but it is God that gives the increase. So the game, the win, okay, is God making contact. All you have to do is be there, and that's just it. And that's one of the words for us today is he's looking for folks who can be hands, who can be a mouthpiece, who can be a hug, who can be something in the environment so you can be a portal and you can channel the goodness of God, the mercy of God, the power of God, the love of God, you know, into people's lives. So this was, I don't know, it was a number of years ago. Bob, I'm going to tell a little bit of a Sherry story here. So um, I was on a softball team, and there weren't a lot of believers on this softball team. I remember being at a party, and uh, it was so long ago that Billy Graham, it was when Billy Graham was in town the last time, which was many years ago. And I remember the guys on my softball team after this party, they're like, man, I don't know about him. He's kind of a sham. If he were here, I'd throw him into the pool. So yeah, I don't know. He's some of these Christians. And I'm like, holy cow, how am I supposed to like share and be a you know, believer in the midst of this? Well, 
things happen, and one of, um, one of our friends, Sherry, ends up going through a divorce. So, you know, what do you do? I mean, I don't know what to do other than just try to be a friend. So um, I was in the middle of being a friend. I said, hey, Sherry, would you mind if I, if I just pray for you? And she said, okay. And Sherry didn't really go to church or didn't, wasn't really, you know, let's say following God at the time. And so we prayed, and I just closed my eyes and prayed. And then when I got done, I kind of looked over, and all of a sudden her eyes are bugged out. Okay, and she goes, what was that? I'm like, I don't know. What are you talking about? I don't know what you're talking about. Well, she said, when you prayed, all of a sudden, this electricity started shooting through me. And I'm like, okay. Now, I am not a good apologist. I can't convince somebody and make arguments, you know, about the existence of God from a philosophical standpoint. But what I'm not bad at doing is if God shows up and does something, I can be a translator for this is what God is doing. So I just, I just said, well, all I know is this, is that God loves you. Okay, he doesn't want you to be in pain. He doesn't want you to be lonely. He wants to be there with you. And that was just a little sign, a little token of his love that, that he's going to be with you through this. And that's really all I did. And that's all I had to do, I just step back. Well, you know what happens when people make real contact, okay, with God, something happens on the inside. You don't have to do anything. All you have to do is maybe just be there, and then God will do the rest. Well, she started coming to church. She started reading the Bible. She started listening to tapes. Next thing you know... She's a believer. She's done some amazing things for God and is working and serving, you know, our church to this day. But it's just because she made contact. So the game for all of us is making contact. But sometimes we have to translate some things that are going on in people's lives. And that's, that's very biblical. Okay, so I'm going to just share with you, and I've got my glasses here today, um, you know, the story of uh, Acts 2, the second chapter of Acts. Not a music group, but rather it's an actual chapter in the Bible called the second chapter of Acts. And this is when they were, in, they were waiting in the upper room, and all of a sudden, a mighty rushing wind of the Holy Spirit. They're waiting for God to come. And then this wind comes in, tongues of fire over the, over the disciples, and they begin speaking in other languages. Now, this was during the Feast of Pentecost, so there's tons of people all over the place. And they hear their own languages. There were people from Greece and from Rome and from Mesopotamia, Persia, Iran, Iran is Persia. All these different countries are hearing this and they're like, what is this? We do not understand what is going on. And a lot of people, ah, they've been drinking. They've been drinking. And they say, yeah, but it's 10 in the morning. Okay, so the translator, okay, the person who does the translation is Peter. And I'm going to read from, the, um, from Acts 2. It says this, and all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others mockingly said, they are filled with new wine. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them them and said, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. For these people are not drunk, as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and female servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So he does this, and then he begins to declare who Jesus is. And he declares it, and that day, 3,000 people 
came to Christ. They came and became believers. They repented, and the church was born that day. Why? Because he, he was able to translate an environment and a situation into this is what God's doing. And I think he was right. I'm pretty sure he was right in his translation. Okay, so a couple of weeks, a couple of weeks ago, exactly a couple of weeks ago, um, I'm on a business trip, but it was really a golf trip, don't tell Maggie, um, with 13 of my high school friends, okay? Um, and other than the Nolan brothers who are there, I don't know whether anybody is really, you know, maybe serving the Lord, okay? I mean, there might be, might be a couple in there. But um, I've been there for about a half an hour. One of my buddies comes up to me and sits next to me, and he's got something. He goes, Jay, I got, I got to tell you something. I go, what? He goes, man, I had this thing happen to me, and it is really weird. And I'm like, well, you're going to be talking to the right guy because that's what I do. So anyway, so, so here's a story you will probably not hear in any other church. He goes, so we're, I'm on a cruise, okay, with my fiance, and it's the end of the evening, and it's time to go to bed. So she goes down the hallway to the cabin, as I'm getting ready to leave, this guy just starts, just starts something with me for no reason. And uh, the next thing you know, he breaks a beer bottle, and he comes after me with this beer bottle. Uh, so he goes, so what I just, you know, I grabbed that, his hand with the beer bottle, and with my other hand, you know, I took his neck, and I just lifted him up, you know, in the ground. But here's the deal, Jay. He was like 6'2", he 6'3". Like he was a big guy. And I can't do that. Now, my friend Scott was a good fighter back in the day, and probably still is. He's strong. I said, Scott, that had to be like your adrenaline kicked in. He goes, no, no, no. I know my adrenaline. That was not me. I had this guy up in the air until somebody had to come by and say, you need to let him go. And he goes, the thing was, that was, me. That was not me. That was some supernatural thing that was going on. What was that? Now, how the heck do you answer this, right? <laughs> well, I, to be honest, I don't know exactly what, what it was, but but as believers, right, as believers, we are supposed to know the spiritual realm more, okay, than anybody else. So this is what I told him, because I told him what I knew. I said, well, Scott, this is what I know, is that in the spiritual realm, there are two entities. There are angels and there are demons. Okay, obviously, this thing came to your help and your defense. Okay, this guy was trying to take you out. And the one thing I know about angels is they're messengers from God, and a lot of them have assignments. And one of their assignments is to protect you but another one of their assignments, okay, for angels, and this is biblical, is to protect your destiny and your purpose. So all I'm going to tell you is this, is that I think God was watching out for you and that, that there, there are some things that you still have yet to do and you weren't going to get taken out that, that night. Now, it was interesting because that was the first day of our event and we had a couple of very interesting, you know, discussions, you know, during those two days because we were able to translate. So... I want to pronounce over you guys are translators of spiritual phenomenon and translators of the things of God where you walk and the people you talk to. Because when you do that, a seed is planted. Again, it's not Jason, but they make contact, they make vertical contact with, with God, you know, when you do that. I don't know. That, that's, that's pretty wild. Um, I've got a million of these stories, but I'm not going to share more than 100,000 today. So that's, that's the good thing. This is, there's a treat for you. Um, <laughs> you know, how do you know that, that, that's, that that's God? Okay, well, I'll tell you, this is one thing that, that you need, that everyone here needs to know, okay, is that God is more jealous and he's more about making contact with us than we are about even having our loved ones come and get to know him or us spending time with him. That he is zealous, he is jealous, 
He, he wants in. And even if we are not his hands or his portal for doing it, he's going to figure out a way to do it. And I heard a story, this is a number of years ago. You guys heard of Bill Bright. Bill Bright, Campus Crusade for Christ, relatively reputable ministry, very reputable ministry. Okay, he and this author by the name of Rosenberg tell a story, okay, of Jesus appearing to Muslims in dreams. Has anybody heard about that, that phenomenon that's going on? Okay, it's, it's crazy. But one of the first things I heard, this was maybe about 10, 12 years ago, but Jesus came to this essentially entire village one evening, and he revealed himself, I am Jesus. And Isa is the word that they use in, in Arabic. Okay, you know, and I am the son of God, follow me. He shared this, and they had this this massive dream with everybody but the problem is you don't necessarily share something like that with your fellow muslim brothers because you know you could get your head taken off so so they started you know with some of their good friends i had this dream last night brother i had a dream last night too and all of a sudden the word starts spreading all around this village all around this village till finally everybody had the same dream i mean it's it's a phenomenon it's a and and it's chronicled in a book and that whole village came to christ I'm telling you this for a couple reasons. Number one, we need to remember, okay, we need to remember that um, we serve a supernatural God who can do unbelievable supernatural things. That's one thing that he did. But, but usually this is, this is how this thing works, okay, is that God will come and he'll come in dreams. I'm going to share a little story. This is from one particular dream that a, a Muslim boy had. And, and, and listen, to this is what happened in the dream. I was in the desert alone, lost. As far as the horizon, there was nothing in sight but sand. I felt the sand on my bare feet. Then I saw something extraordinary. In the midst of that barrenness, an immense wooden cross emerged from the earth, rising up with sand spilling from it back to the earth. So begins a dream narrative posted by a Bosnian Muslim teenager, Imina Emlanik, a dream about Jesus. The dream continues. I felt then a spectator in my own dream. And the sight of the cross gave me neither fear nor joy, but I was curious, and I began moving, almost floating towards it, the most magnificent thing I'd ever seen or imagined. And as I came closer to the cross, I suddenly saw a man walking toward me, a broad-shouldered, long-striding man with a dark complexion, long hair, and wearing a white robe. And just as suddenly as I ceased to be a witness to my dream, I was in it, walking toward the man walking toward me. I knew him immediately. He was Jesus. Without knowing why, I fell to my knees. He stood over me, touched my face with his right hand. And that's the end of the dream. What's going on in the Muslim community, because it's hard to send people there without getting killed, is that Jesus loves them so much that he is going to them and he's meeting them in dreams. Now here's what happens, whether it's in a Muslim country or here in the U.S., what typically happens, because I've listened to a lot of these stories on YouTube, is that absolutely freaks them out in a lot of ways because it goes against everything they've been taught, everything they've learned, their culture. Agreeing with this could cost them a lot of things. So what do they do? They say, well, i got to figure out for sure what's going on. That's fine. And they start doing a little bit of research. They start seeking. They start knocking. They start asking. They go to the Koran. They go to the Bible. And all of a sudden, the conclusion is clear. Jesus is the Son of God. He is the one way. He is the lover of their soul. And they convert to Christianity. Here's here's an interesting fact. They did a study of uh, 600 Muslims who've converted here in the United States. And they said that 25% of this group had a dream or an encounter like this. They did another study 
out in you know, Muslim land in the world, and they said that as, as many as 42% of the people who've converted from Islam to Christianity have done so because they've either had a dream, a miraculous healing, or God has come down vertically, made contact with them in a supernatural way to validate who he is. So God is at work. And I'm telling you this because right now we are in a season, okay, where God is at work. I, I just said in Acts 2, it says in the last days what? That people, <laughs> young men will dream dreams, old men will see visions. Folks, it's happening in the last days. We're in the last days. We're in a season. I get this. This is what this guy who follows a lot of this phenomenon, he said, um, he says, the number of Isa dreams, and Isa is the name for Jesus in Arabic, um, seemed to grow tremendously since 2000. And in 2005, it seems to have kicked up into another gear, said pra- uh, Pastor Frank Kostenbader, who has a website that tracks Isa activity in the Muslim world. There has been an explosion of testimonies on the web in the past two years about people encountering Jesus in dreams and subsequently becoming followers of Jesus. So God is at work, so we're in a season. And, you know, as I'm preaching about making Jesus real, understand that he is all about making himself real. And there's an invitation in this season to just be there, you know, just to do some things, love people, be there, you know, in, in, a, in a crisis, be there, um, be aware of what's going on in your surroundings and at work. Who's going through a divorce? Who just lost their job? Who maybe needs, you know, a couple bags of groceries? All you have to do is show up and be the hands, and God will do the rest. I was talking to JC, and now JC's in, you know, extreme YWAM outreach mode. I'm like, JC, when you talk to some of these people, do you get, like, a word for them, like you know what to say? She goes, no, but I think, she goes, sometimes the Holy Spirit will point out I need to talk to that person, and I'm okay with just starting a conversation, so I just do it, and then then I kind of get led from there. And to some extent, that's what we're called to do. Just start a conversation, just be there, and let God do the rest and be prompted. See what's going on, and we start to respond. And again, you can't make Jesus real. Okay, that's not your job. I was on the plane flying for my uh, business meeting, golf outing, and uh, there was a young Muslim gal next to me, and she's going like this. Okay, and one of my things, I don't like to talk to people on the plane. I just pretty much shut down, but I said, okay, I think maybe God want, want me to heal her shoulder. So I, I just start telling her um, a story after we talk a little bit about how this rotator cup got healed down at Rebecca's house and how we prayed. And she was a psychology student, so I, I framed it. I said, we're pretty clinical. We find out, are, what's your pain level, level 9, level 8? So I told this story, and she's like, wow, how does something like that happen? And I'm like, well, I don't know. Would you like me to, can, can I show you something? Can I uh, touch your shoulder here and pray for you? And she goes, Okay. So I do it, you know. So I'm, I'm, I'm sitting there, and there's this young Muslim gal. And she was not in a burqa or didn't have any firearms, so I wasn't that concerned. But um, uh, so I, I was just I was praying for her. And in the middle of my prayer, all of a sudden, and when the oxygen mask comes down, and it was just whatever. And then when, when I was done, I don't know whether she heard it or whatever, I'm saying, well, okay, do your shoulder thing. And um, I go, do you feel anything? She goes, oh, I don't know, maybe a little. Well, it didn't happen. But you know what? I don't care because it's not my job to, uh, you know, my job is to just water, plant, and God will give the increase. And she has a story about somebody getting healed of a rotator cuff, and who knows what God might have done. So you see, you don't have to have some wild, crazy story. You just, you just put it out there, and, and you let it go. So we're going we're gonna to wind down right now. This will be good. 25 minutes, guys. 25 minutes, and it's lunchtime. No, actually, we're almost done. So I'm going I'm to end with this, this final story of encouragement, okay? 
And um, right before JC uh, took off for um, uh, her first, you know, mission trip there in Papua New Guinea, they had their last worship service, okay? And it went on till midnight, because when these YWAMers worship, I mean, they're, they're going for two hours, they're on the ground, it's just, it's crazy. So they, all 30 of them go to McDonald's. So JC and her friend Ide, who's also come to church here and has spent some time on the ground weeping and interacting with God here in our church, um, the whole team is sitting over here, but JC sees these two construction workers, these, these Maori, these big Maori islanders who must have finished a late night job, and they were sitting over there, so they're like, you know, they go over and they sit next to him and they start conversing, and the next thing you know, JC's talking about Jesus and, and just saying, yeah, and this, and they're like, wait a minute, we're not into religion, we're just not into religion, and JC says, you know what, I'm not into religion either, I don't like rules, I don't like all the phony stuff, but you know what I do like, I, I just love Jesus, because you know what, and she just starts telling him about Jesus, and she told him more about Jesus, and Ide was telling about Jesus, and the next thing you know, these hard construction workers start to have tears in their eyes, and they said, would you like to receive Jesus tonight, and just have a relationship with him, and they said yes, and they prayed a prayer, and these two construction workers, um, you know, came to Christ at like 12.30 a.m., you know, somewhere in Taronga, New Zealand, just out of the blue. And then JC says, well, hey, I've got some friends here. Can they pray for you? So she brings 30 insane YWAMers over, and there's this big huddle, and it's like, <laughs> so I don't know what they, but, but God blessed them. So, so here, here's, here's the thing. Um, oh, and then the, the last part of the story, um, and it relates maybe a little bit to us, is um, JC felt a little bit better about going because she's like, I can't believe God would use me like that to do something crazy. And uh, she gets in the car, and they turn um, the radio on, okay? And uh, the, the song that was on right when uh, she turned it on was that song. It goes, this girl is on fire. <laughs> and she's like, yes, thank you, Jesus. So it was this little sign that, okay, I'm blessing your little mission trip here. Things are going to be okay. Okay, so that, that was cool. But, you know, it wouldn't, it, wouldn't it be nice to be on fire again? I mean, God's doing this, and we're in a really cool season, okay? So what I was hoping to do today, it's just really simple, was just, just stir it up a little bit, okay? That God is good, and he is bigger than you think he is, and a lot of times we're used to keeping him in this little box, and we're just going to say no. We're going to expand our horizons, or as they said on Saturday Night Live, we're going to explore the studio space, you know, with Jesus, that was from the video, um, More Cowbell. Uh, I'm dying up here, aren't I? Dave, I'm dying. No, but what we want to do is we, we want to we get that fresh fire, that fresh taste of Jesus you know, in us, and just be aware and alert, and maybe, just maybe, God will do something through our lives this week. Does that sound cool? Why don't you guys stand up? Shannon, why don't you come up? If you have some other musicians or if there's anybody with cassinets or other trinkets, you can come up and possibly join her. Um, I'm, I'm just going gonna, gonna to pray for two groups here today, and um, we're going to be done here. If you want to stick around, we're going to have some music um, during uh, the worship time. But I think that there's, there's, there's two groups, and um, if our, my prayer team can come down here, use you people that pray for folks. Some of you just, you, you want a fresh touch. You know, you want to make that vertical contact, you know, with God. Maybe you've never made a vertical contact. Maybe you want to get to know Jesus in a real, real way and have some reality. Well, we want to pray for you for that. Maybe you've got um, a sickness. Maybe you're in pain. We want to pray for that. But for a lot of believers, you know, I, I just think God wants to start refreshing you and reminding you of your testimony of, of what it was like back when you first met him and when um, he was doing maybe a little bit more things. Because whether you know it or not, we're going to be in a season of, um, I, I think, some revival 
coming up where people are going to be coming to Christ. You're going to be sharing and you're going to see more people coming here. So you might as well get with the program. So if you want a fresh touch, come up here and we're going to pray for the Holy Spirit to come and touch you. And I remember one guy that did this and it was my, my good friend, Dan Curry. And I don't know, it was a few years ago. He got this kind of prayer that he just should have a more tender heart toward God. And in that second row, I don't know, he fell down. God was doing some things. And I don't know whether it was nine months, a year, two years, but he would go to the, the various shelters and would weep over the men. And he would, his heart was just so tender toward God. It was unbelievable because God met him and God touched him. And, you know, I'm saying go, do, do, do. But before we do, we need to get, okay? So if you're weary, you need a fresh touch, we want to pray for you. We want the Holy Spirit to just revitalize the freshness and the love of Jesus in you. Amen? Okay, well, listen, I'm going to pray, and then you're dismissed. But if you want prayer, come up and come up and get it, because we want the Holy Spirit to move. So, Lord, we bless these translators of the gospel. Lord, we bless, Lord, these people who see what you're doing and come alongside of you. Lord, we bless those, Lord, Lord, who want to experience you supernaturally and in ways that maybe they have before. But, but Lord, they want it new and fresh. Lord, you say that you make all things new. You say that you take our very hearts of stone and you make them hearts of flesh. Lord, that's, that's my prayer today, Lord God, is that we can walk out tenderized, loved, and we can see you bigger, that you would just magnify yourself. Lord, we just pray this. We love you, Jesus, just more of you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. All God's people said, amen. Come up and get, get some prayer.